I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapters 10 and 11 and 2 Chronicles chapter 9. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin with 1 Kings chapter 10 verses 1 through 13, paralleled by 2 Chronicles chapter 9 verses 1 through 12. This is about the Queen of Sheba, beginning with 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 1. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in his heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain to her. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king one hundred and twenty talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon." Also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made the steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almug wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity." So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now let's go over and read the parallel passage in Second Chronicles chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions. Having a very great retinue, camels that bore spices, gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe their words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. 
Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God, because your God has loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. And she gave the king one hundred and twenty talents of gold, spices in great abundance, and precious stones. There never were any spices such as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon, also the servants of Hiram and the servants of Solomon, who brought gold from Ophir, brought algam wood and precious stones. And the king made walkways of the algam wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers, and there were none such as these seen before in the land of Judah. Now King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. So we see here the queen of Sheba, having heard about the fame of Solomon, pays him a surprise visit. While there are differing theories regarding where her homeland actually was, there is no dispute that she traveled a great distance to Jerusalem. According to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, they say the following, Sheba was in the southwest Arabia, present-day Yemen. Whoa, now that's 1,500 miles from Jerusalem. She takes the tour and asks Solomon some very difficult questions, all of which he was more than capable of answering because of the extra dose of wisdom that we read about back in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5-15 through 15, and 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7-17. through 17. That wisdom was given to him by God. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1 says, She came to test him with hard questions. The Hebrew word for hard questions there is kidal. It's interesting. It's used 17 times in the scripture. The New King James translates it 11 times as riddles, two times as questions, three times as sayings, and once it uses the word schemes for that word. What an interesting conversation between a king and a queen. At the conclusion of their meeting, she admitted, Yep, you're wise, all right. The whole trip just left her breathless. That's according to Second Chronicles 9.4, where it says there was no more spirit in her. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means breath. Same as the New Testament Greek word spirit is pneuma, which also means breath or wind. Add the word holy as a modifier to either of these words and you get the supernatural power of God being the Holy Spirit. But here in this passage with regard to the Queen of Sheba, this verse indicates that she was just left breathless. And then she went back home to tell her buddy kings and queens all about her findings. Now there's considerable extra-biblical speculation regarding this Queen of Sheba. Islamic tradition claims that she had a son by Solomon who became a king. Ethiopian tradition claims her as an Ethiopian queen who married and bore a child from Solomon. Further development of that position attributes the adoption of Judaism in Ethiopia to the queen's conversion after her visit with Solomon. In 1999, a British team from Bournemouth University, working with the archaeologist Dr. Patrick Darling, became convinced that they had discovered her burial place in Nigeria— but Dr. Darling admits that his is just a theory, and it's one of many. What well, we see in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 14 to 29, and 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 13 through 29, that the rich just keep getting richer. First of all, we read from 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14. 
The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, besides that from the traveling merchants, from the income of the traders, and all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrest. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years the merchants came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules, at a set rate, year by year. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. Also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Keveh. The king's merchants brought them in Keveh at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver, and a horse 150, and thus... Through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now over to the parallel passage, Second Chronicles chapter 9, beginning with verse 13. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, besides what the traveling merchants and traders brought, and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. 300 shekels of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrest. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All of King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. Once every three years the merchant ships came, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules, at a set rate year by year. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, 
and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. So he reigned over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made clear cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. And they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and from all lands. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet, in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and in the visions of Idu the seer concerning Jeroboam the son of Nebat? Solomon's kingdom stretched to the boundaries promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15. If you'd like to see a map of that, then look at the notes on Genesis chapter 15. Solomon was rich. I mean, really, really rich. How rich was he? He was so rich, he made 200 large shields out of gold worth about $100,000 each. That's by 2006 standards. He made another 300 shields of gold smaller that were worth about 24000 each. Of course, he put these on display. He was so rich, his throne was made out of ivory and gold. Solomon was so rich that silver plates were like our disposable plastic plates, according to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 21. Solomon was so rich, he collected peacocks. Now, that's rich. I mean, cedar, horses, chariots, Solomon had it all. And his wisdom was world-renowned. Everybody came to ask him questions, and they brought him gifts when they came. So here's what's said of Solomon in 2 Chronicles 9, verse 22. It says, And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. That's right. Solomon was the richest man in the world. But Solomon had a weakness, and we're going to read about that in 1 Kings 11, beginning with verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So after talking about all of King Solomon's successes in chapter 10, chapter 11 begins with, But, yes, I'm afraid that with everything else Solomon collected in abundance, wives were also on that list. If you had 700 wives and 300 concubines who were second-class wives, would you even remember all of their names? And if a child calls you father, wouldn't you just assume it was so? His collection of honeymoon photo albums must have been housed in a large museum. But here's the big problem. He wasn't very particular about their religious affiliations. He married women who worshipped gods forbidden to the Israelites, and they didn't convert to Judaism 
they stayed with their heathen gods and worshipped those heathen gods. Now remember the people back in Leviticus who sacrificed their own children to Moloch in Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20? Well, Solomon even built an altar to this god Moloch for one or more of his wives. He built altars to other pagan gods as well, just because he was in love. Verse 6 sums it up when it says, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. We see a condemnation by Nehemiah of Solomon's marrying practices in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 26. Here's what Nehemiah says. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused him to sin. Well, interestingly enough, we don't have a record of Solomon ever marrying a Hebrew woman. However, out of a thousand wives and concubines, surely he did at some point. Although his successor to the throne was Rehoboam and his mother was an Ammonite. She was from the forbidden list of candidates. As a matter of fact, Solomon married Rehoboam's mother while King David was still on the throne of Israel. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, according to 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21. Yet we are told in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 30, that Solomon reigned over Israel for 40 years. So Solomon's marriage violations began before he actually became the king of Israel. Now let's not sugarcoat this aspect of Solomon's life. His marrying practices did in part include a great many diplomatic marriages. In other words, kings often married the daughters of foreign kings in order to form a treaty with them, and maintain diplomatic relations with those countries. However, there's no question that Solomon violated Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17, a passage that specifically directs that future kings of Israel must not multiply wives. Moreover, God specifically directed Israel not to intermarry with those pagan cultures surrounding them in Canaan. He did so back in Deuteronomy 17, verses 1 through 7. Now, the reason is this, so as to not bring false religions into Israel, and as it turns out, that's exactly the result of Solomon's marrying practices. We see in 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning with verse 9, that God raises up some adversaries to Solomon. Verse 9, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you, and give it to your servant. Nevertheless I will not do it in your days, for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son." However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was a descendant of the king of Edom. For it happened when David was in Edom and Joab the commander of the army had gone up to bury the slain after he had killed every male in Edom, because for six months Joab remained there with all Israel until he had cut down every male in Edom. That Hadad fled to go to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, Hadad was still a little child. Then they arose from Midian 
and came to Paran, and they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh king of Egypt, who gave him a house and a portion food for him and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him his wife, the sister of his own wife, that is, the sister of Queen Tapanes. Then the sister of Tapanes bore him Jenaboth, his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Jenaboth was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. So when Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said to him, But what have you lacked with me? that suddenly you seek to go to your own country. So he answered, Nothing, but do let me go anyway. And God raised up another adversary against him, Reason, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. So he gathered men to him and became captain over a band of raiders when David killed those of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt there and reigned in Damascus. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, besides the trouble that Hadad caused, and he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. As we read through the Old Testament, one thing should be abundantly clear. God hates pagan worship. This case is no different. Notice verse 9. It says, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Those two appearances were back in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, and 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 2. Because of this tolerance for pagan worship on Solomon's part, God raised up enemies against Solomon, one being Hadad the Edomite. That's in verse 14. Here's a decree from God to Solomon in verse 11. It says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. That's right. God even speaks to Solomon and tells him after his reign, his kingdom will be split, and it's all because of Solomon's tolerance for paganism. That split of the kingdom of Israel into two, well, that takes place in 1 Kings chapter 12. Now, Hadad's story is given in verses 14 to 22. Joab's execution of the Edomite men must have taken place during the period mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. We aren't specifically told of any battles between this Hadad and Israel, but the mention of it in this passage, and specifically verse 25, would indicate that there were some. Then there's the specific mention in verse 23 of Reason, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. This enemy rose up against Solomon as a result of David's battles in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. Then we read about Jeroboam, beginning in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 26. Then Solomon's servant Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite from Zerida, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the Milo and repaired the damages of the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him the officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite met him on the way, and he had clothed himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field." 
Then Ahijah took of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and keep my statutes and my judgments, as did his father David. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, because I have made him ruler over all the days of the life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you, ten tribes. And to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. So I will take you, and you shall reign over all your heart desires, and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam rose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, the king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon." Well, Jeroboam had a nice job with Solomon's government, but he was God's instrument for the punishment of Solomon. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over the family business, business of being king, that is. However, God had told Jeroboam through the prophet Ahijah in verse 29 that he would get ten of the eleven tribes. You thought there were ten tribes, didn't you? Remember Simeon? Well, Simeon had no distinct territory. Those Simeonites didn't have anything of their own but rather they received certain cities within the territory of Judah. Simeon kind of blended in with Judah after a few centuries, basically leaving 11 tribes, though often still referred to as 12. Anyway, Solomon tried to have him killed after his prophecy, but Jeroboam escaped it out to Egypt. After Solomon's death, Rehoboam becomes king over the southern kingdom, Judah, and Jeroboam becomes king over the northern kingdom, which is Israel. We see that in First Kings chapter 12. Now, I call them the Boam boys. They weren't really related. It just makes it easier for me to remember each of those guys. Jeroboam inherits from God his kingdom with some conditional promises attached to the deal. In verse 38, here's what it says. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David, and will give Israel to you. Now, for the record, Jeroboam did not fulfill any of these conditions, not even from the very beginning of his reign. As a result, this same prophet Ahijah, two decades later, decrees that Jeroboam's dynasty will come to an end. He does so in 1 Kings chapter 14. As a matter of fact, neither did any of Jeroboam's successors serve the God of Israel. All the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were evil. And all the subsequent kings of Israel, 
Well, none of them were righteous. All were evil and all refused to seek after God. And finally, we read 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 41 to 43, and 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 41. Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And the period that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. And that's paralleled in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel forty years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. Well, he's immortal in our minds, but Solomon died after a 40-year rule. He accomplished much, and he left it all to his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam's mother was an Ammonite, according to 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21. So the question is, can Rehoboam hang on to that kingdom? Well, the answer is no, he can't. And it's all because his father Solomon had sinned before God. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker. 